Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the London is Blue podcast. Dan here alongside Nick. Just want to let you know that the upcoming episode we got going on here is a little bit of speculation around who Chelsea may or may not be signing Obviously, nothing locked in, nothing confirmed yet, but just us having a little bit of fun ahead of hashtag Project Restart and Chelsea coming back onto the football pitch, Nick. That's right. Um, so we're excited about these episodes. It's been fun. It's been positive to, to talk about uh, something that wasn't COVID-related, uh, which is nice. So if you could do us a huge favor, we'd love to get you as followers on Instagram at London Blue Pod. Been posting a lot of really cool graphics and content there, so there's a lot to go check out. And then... Go over to our YouTube. We, we need a hell of a lot more followers on YouTube. Uh, Brandon has been uh, putting in some serious work to, to get videos posted. And we have, I think, some better setups coming soon for those videos. So our last Timo Werner one did super well. We're pumped about that. Let's keep the momentum rolling. Uh, just London is Blue podcast on YouTube. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode. That's right, of the London is Blue podcast. No Brandon Busby today, but of Thank course, God. Nick Ferlaney, <laughs> always <laughs> present, always vigilant, always there with the beard and the fresh trim, the fresh trim yes, that he's I covering got, with the hat. I finally got for a those watching on video. for the first time. Oh my God. Best thing ever. <laughs> well, in order to round out our group today, we have 
Mr. Yannick, Mr. Chelsea Yannick, coming in hot, coming in fresh off the subs bench with a last-minute adjustment. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, so let's uh, let's just take a second and uh, address the elephant in the room, shall we, boys? <laughs> so people here on Twitter, they were they they've been reading Matt Law's tweets about the big transfer to London is blue. All all for these like past few months, the fans have been waiting for the superstar marquee signing. Of George Benson, sadly, the <laughs> contract terms could not be agreed. Pulled out last minute, so they had to dip into League uh, on uh, <laughs> deadline day. Panic by football therapy, Yannick. I'll probably lounge around for about two seasons, score eight league goals, and then you'll sell me to West Ham. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> That's a very detailed view. Is that like well what happened done. in your last like FIFA career mode for your player? <laughs> <laughs> that was the saddest. No, I was just thinking Michy Batshuayi the whole way. Oh, I, I mean, you you outdid Danny Drinkwater at that point, so yeah, yeah. That? Swings. We got to take the rough with the smooth, Nick. So. Yeah, I, I was guessing more of a, a Zappa Costa style approach. He would end up sending you out alone. Oh, maybe your Jesus. fitness would be challenged. Oh, but anyway, so, let's smash my self esteem before you even bloody got started. Well, we had to bring you in because after the uh, supposed very close, close to be finished signing of Timo Warner to Chelsea, which everyone is over the moon about, anytime you can consult Liverpool, it feels really good. It's all about what's next, though, Nick. What's next? Who's the next player? Who are we going to go after? And there is some idea. You know, uh, Christian Falk from uh, you know, uh, Blid is kind of saying that Chelsea are also interested in Kai Havertz. And so, you know, when we talk about reinforcing the attack, this is something that could be extremely interesting as we look at what's coming into the, you know, transfer window that may, you know, Maybe normal, maybe longer. However, it ends up being when you think about next season, exciting name, exciting talent. And maybe we should talk about what he could potentially bring to Chelsea, where he might play, and if we think it's the right type of signing to go after. So, I mean, this is a, you know, so you have Timo Werner, who obviously could play as a two. He could play on the left uh, with a supporting striker. Um, you know, he can play on his own up top if, if he needed to, to do so. So he's a, he's definitely an incredible signing. And then, yeah, and we're looking at this from like what other positions of need you know, do Chelsea have, right? You know, you have with the addition of Werner, Abraham, Pulisic, Callum Lutzen-Odoi, hopefully, um, and a Ziyech. bunch of others supporting, yeah, Ziyech, Ruben Loftus-Cheeks, and like, Players who are coming back from injury who can help the team uh, maybe finish a little bit better than they have uh, up to this point in the season. So as a position of need, is Kaya Havertz uh, someone that you think would even fit within our current setup? And and if so, where? Well, okay, great question, Nick. <laughs> uh, the thing is with Kaya Havertz, right? No worries. He suits like... Um, so the everyone's like inclination, right? Or your sort of reflex answer would be like, no, we don't need this guy. We need a center, uh, left back. And even maybe perhaps before someone like Kai Havertz, you'd need a center back maybe if you're really truly looking to upgrade. But the thing is, right, Kai Havertz is different to say the likes of Jaden Sancho, who's also been that sort of similar tier player that was linked to Chelsea that, you know, do we need him? Don't we need him? The thing is with Kai Havertz is, 
he can play as a false nine. He can play like so more of like an actual nine as well, surprisingly. But inside forward on the flanks, he can play as a second striker very comfortably, and he can play in attacking midfield. So he sort of suits. He sort of suits this recurring theme under Lampard of preferencing this versatility. Whereas Jaden Sancho, he's like, he's a winger. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what he is. Um, so that's good because he wants to have this sort of tactical versatility. So although he wouldn't necessarily fit this problem position, he can play any position. He's like a sort of Galactico utility player who can score goals. And Chelsea need goals. So even with all those players that you listed off so well, he'd probably find a place in the team. I think really it's just if we can get him, get him sort of thing and the options and Lampard needs to be brutal. And if, even if his golden boys, are his, if the people who aren't performing are his original golden boys, then they're no longer his golden boys. So it's a sort of unnecessary signing that would be welcome. It, it almost feels like, Dan, that with the names, and I left out Mason Mount, which is uh, my yeah. fault of that original Son of list. Sorry, um, son, of, son of Lampard. Um, yeah. it, it feels like if... Kai Havertz or, or another big name attacker comes in, Dan, that, that this is going to transform from a kind of a set formation up top to Lampard's attacking amorphous blob. <laughs> like, well, there's there's yeah. so much positional flexibility between a lot of these players that I feel like it would be tough to identify where they all would come at you if you're in opposing defense. Well, it's the uh, the the famous three zero seven formation that uh, Lampard is going to just roll out with. It's no going to be all out attack. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, completely I, avoid I the midfield. Lampard. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think what I would say, and kind of to that larger thesis, right? If we look at the fact that we signed Timo Werner, the fact that we're looking at someone like Kai Havertz, I think you know the the rumor name for a long time had been Jaden Sancho, right? And let's just like. That means we should take Jaden Sancho off the table. Jaden Sancho to Chelsea doesn't happen in a world where he's being valued individually at 120, 130 by Dortmund. And they might have to accept less than that given the current situation. But if you can, say, get a Timo Werner and potentially a Kai Havertz for somewhere close or maybe just a little above what Jaden Sancho was, now that's some that's some sexy business. That is some... Um, Roman and Chelsea coming back to destroy football business. Can you look at just kind of some of his stats for this year? So kind of 38 total games in the Bundesliga, uh, you know, across all competitions, um, you know, you, you know, Europa League and uh, Champions League, uh, 15 goals, eight assists. That's, that's a nice, nice amount. And then uh, Statsman Dave coming at us with Kai Havertz has scored four goals since the Bundesliga restarted more than any other player in the competition. Also is the highest expected goals, which I know love, Yan, you love, 3.47 and non-penalty expected goals, 2.71. When you talk about adding goals back into the team, if you get Kai Havertz, he becomes an immediate starter in this Chelsea side. Yeah, it's important to note, like people listening, if they don't know much about Kai Havertz, some people have just sort of watched the restart and he's been like the big story in Germany of late. He's obviously very young. He's 20 years old, but he's been so highly rated for a little while now. Like he went a little bit quiet before the pause of the season in Germany. But last season, he had an incredible campaign. Uh, this season, he's doing the same. Obviously, I, the aforementioned versatility, uh, positional versatility or whatever I just spoke about. But 
how he, he's in, so exciting on the ball. Someone like Jaden Sancho, explosive down the flanks, can dribble and stuff. The way uh, Havertz can move with the ball, he like glides like Kaká, you know, like the way he can play. He's a special, special player. Um, and he's not necessarily been just on the end of moves, scoring loads of goals. He's been doing loads of very impressive football. He is a top, top tier signing. Everyone would want him. He'd start in most teams. So people need to understand that this is a very special player. He's not just some German kid who's scored a bunch of goals recently. who can play in a couple of positions. He's um, he's an incredible young player, uh, very, very highly rated by loads around Europe. Um, uh, and I have kind of forgotten your question there, Dan, because I really just wanted to assert that point. <laughs> well, I, I, I tease you up with the idea of expected goals. And I think what's, what's interesting oh. when you talk about that positional flexibility, though, is mm. so his team ran out of healthy strikers. And mm. so his manager says, hey, I'm just going to actually put you up top. Yeah. And he's been scoring. Ev- he has actually scored every single game. I think it's seven or eight goals in a row now mm. when he has played in the actual nine position for hmm. Leverkusen. Well, you know, that's exactly like the story of loads of other elite gunmen. Timo Werner, he's a converted winger. Uh, they like, right, you know, he's got granted he still plays wide, but when he, he scores so many goals playing up front, so they're like, let's move you closer to the goal. Um, and I think, I, I don't want to plagiarise this, I think it was Raphael Honigstein who said this, who was talking about this, and he said, um, it's the exact same thing that happened to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. And he, Abamyang is an absolute lethal gunman. And they were like, we should play this guy up front, you know, and then he just scored shit loads of goals. <laughs> so sadly for Abamyang, it happened quite late in his career. Um, this is happening really early for Werner. This is happening really early for Havertz. And so they've got these elite forwards that you feel comfortable playing them deep because they've been raised and sort of um, had their skills cultivated in a different part of the pitch. That's why they can move so well between the lines. And, dude, whoever, whoever gets Kai Havertz, if it's Chelsea, if it's not, absolute bad boy signing. That's, so, that's, the, that's, what, that's what you guys say in America, right? Or is that English? That's probably more. Uh, he's a bad boy. Yeah. Oh, bad man. <laughs> it, like, it's the, the mama there goes that man Mark Jackson line. Um, yeah, okay. Well, whatever. We'll take, I'll take Nick's word for it. He's, yep. he's one of those. <laughs> I love he. <laughs> He's a bad man. Um, I, so we, I was actually reading a positional analysis of, of Havertz yesterday and kind of looking at, you know, what outside of the kind of attacking cut and thrust action, like where, where he might fit into this team. There's also, so one of the analyses I read said that he could fit into a 4-3-3 as one of the midfielders that advance, advances up. So while, mm-hmm. while not, he's not a defensive you know, stud by, by any means, you know, that's not his purpose um, in in life, nor should it be given his insane attacking talent. Uh, You know, you could see a scenario where Lampard keeps a four, three, three, he becomes one of those advanced midfielders and links play up to Werner, Pulisic, Ziyech, whatever. Or you could see him playing as like the more traditional number 10 uh, as well. Yeah. which is crazy because you look at then depth across like a four, two, three, one, you have wings pretty much covered forever now. You have a ton of wing options. You have two or three number 10 options. Absolutely. Like, you know, yeah. whereas this year you've really only had one and that was Mason Mount. Um, mm. So, you know, I don't know, man. It's, it, that, it's, it's crazy. Interesting. 
It is crazy. Uh, the, the thing is, I think he'd be an amazing eight, like you say, like in the, one of those midfield three either side or perhaps the pivot. So he'd be like a shuttling eight. He'd be like, you know, before the pause of football, Mason Mount was playing that left centre mid, which obviously is the same role. We saw Ruben Loftus-Cheek absolutely exploding uh, under Sari before he got injured. Yep. You know, that was his role. Mason Mount, suddenly, like he was playing, when he scored the excellent goal uh, before football stopped, he's been playing. Uh, granted, he was being supercharged by Billy Gilmore, who made bloody Bar- make Barkley look like a car next to him, but like, he was making everyone look better. <laughs> but Mason, Mason Mount looked incredible, that left centre. I, mean, um, I, I, I was talking to Joe Tweedy about this, actually, saying, you know, if Kai comes in, there's going to you know, be so many casualties with all these players, you know, like I really like Pulisic. A lot of people aren't sure about him. I think he's a good player. Um, and I think he'll, he's so young. People just forget that this dude's like 21. And they're like, oh, you know, and suddenly the rotational wingers of like Pulisic and Hudson-Odoi, that's not bad B team, is it? If your starters are Werner and um, Ziyech. But it's the same with the midfielders. Like, you know, if you've got Havertz, say, starting in that, eight role that sort of hybrid eight ten perhaps I could see him playing. And then what what have you got behind him? You've got Mason Mount and Ruben Loftus cheek. Like who the hell what 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 is this? You know, they've both got such high ceilings. So, you know, there is a little bit of like when Frank Lampard will change too much, there's something to be said with consistency, but you need uh, versatility in your tactics. But I mean he's gonna have a job like some good players are gonna have to sit on the bench, you know. So yeah, the, I don't know how it's going to work if it happens. Of course, the the Pulisic, Hudson Odoi, Mount Ruben, you know the squad, the squad of players that everybody's has fallen in love with this year, you know, and and last year <laughs> bench, you know, it it becomes a really interesting cutthroat scenario. It kind of brings me back then to you know the the thing you talked about during our our Werner episode, which is you know when you when when Chelsea added Michael Ballack, it made every other midfielder work harder because he's a world-class midfielder coming in to take one of their spots, if not a couple of their spots, right? Just with his flexibility. So I, my hope is that any new signing that comes in this summer, you know, blanket statement, it makes everybody work harder, you know, and I think Pulisic will work harder. The dude cares about football more than anything in the world. So my, my guess is that he's going to be all right. Uh, Mason Mount, you could easily see this supercharging his development and wanting to, you know, become the the best version of himself. And Ruben's healthy, man. And again, I love Ruben Loftus Cheek so much. Like, there's good luck in training getting bounced off of him because he's going to be angry, you know. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see what happens. I think if we look at the players who are more likely to be displaced, or I think that they would find themselves either on the market or outside of maybe kind of being able to be brought into the first team. If you bring in someone like Kai Havertz, I think the biggest casualties are actually someone like Ross Barkley, who we've seen a little bit of maturity from, but probably could be sold with some level of profit and is probably on a bit of a higher wage relative to some of the younger players on the team. And I think the other one actually could be someone like Connor Gallagher, who impressing on loan really significantly is that gold scoring midfielder, but maybe ends up going on loan again because now you've got a little bit of a log jam in the position. Mm. And as much as I'm super excited that Ruben is back and fully healthy, I also know that he has kind of been a Mr. Glass over the course of his career. And so like I, until he can sustain 
you know, the, the rest of this season, I want to see him go through the end of this modified season with no injury and the, you know, basically through the start of whatever the next season is kind of with full fitness before I'm going to count on him as like a slotted in into the starting 11. Like to me, Mount sits in there ahead now just because he, you know, he's gotten rolled, he's gotten destroyed, he's gotten chopped down and somehow can find his way to fitness in every match. And I think Nick, as you like to say, the best ability is availability. Um, the, you know, the Ditka line, because it, it just, it makes sense. Like you have to figure out who you can rely on and Havertz is actually super reliable in the same, the same way. I mean, he's, I think just missed this last game to kind of a, a muscular issue, but the uh, Real Madrid cold, uh, whether maybe that was what it was, <laughs> Sorry but ultimately, <laughs> uh, but you know, when you think about like, there are, there are other teams looking at him too, right? There's Real Madrid, there's Bayern Munich, but this is, I think, another situation where, yeah, and with what Chelsea are doing, we are drafting a statement of intent, and I think it's getting those players that we're looking at excited. You know, Timo is being called by Frank to talk about the project, to talk about the plan, to outline what we're doing next. And Havertz, if he's not getting pole position at Byron as a as a German kid, as a German national team player, it's kind of that you know typical dream to want to go there. You could see him being swayed by what Frank is doing, particularly as an attacking midfielder where his bread and butter was to come play with the best attacking midfielder in English football. Yeah. Quickly, I, I want to pick up definitely on that. I just want to say one thing about you saying I want to see Loftus-Cheek play the rest of this season without getting an injury. Have you, have you, seen, have you heard the stats from the Bundesliga? Injuries are up 250%. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good luck with that. Anyway, <laughs> um, Mr. Glass with a 250% increase being likely. Um, yeah, so, yeah, Re Lampard, Galactico, you know, SW6 rebuild, 2020, breaking football, taking advantage of a situation where they're in the financial green uh, buyer's market in many ways, especially for the likes of Chelsea. It's been reported by loads of reputable journalists that only really Chelsea and Manchester United could make significant signings in this window. Uh, Chelsea are a bit more appealing and United uh, have a special pool of money they can pull out of that they always seem to have. Um, and re uh, Lampard attracting players in. I've said this in a couple of videos recently. Lampard is an alluring motherfucker, if you excuse my French. Like, he... The way he charms people and talks to people, like I, I've, I've referenced this before, like I heard Harry Redknapp talk about um, how he got the job at Derby. I don't know if you've heard him tell this story, how Frank wanted to be a manager, right? And he was like touting him around. I think he got offered like the Ipswich job uh, and he didn't, it was, it was umming and ahhing. And, um, and uh, Harry knows Mel Morris. He lived down the road from him, the owner of Derby. And he says, look, Talk to Frank Lampard because he's like, are you looking for a manager? I'm, I won't do the Harry Redknapp impression. Sorry, guys. But Come he's on. like, uh, <laughs> no, because I tried to do it in a video and I, I let myself down. So I didn't do it. Yeah. Um, so he said, he said uh, I, I nearly caught myself doing it. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said, all right, Mel, you're looking for a manager, aren't you, for Derby? He's like, I am, I am Harry. He's like, you should talk to Frank Lampard. He's like, what, for a manager? No, absolutely no, no, you know, no way. He's never managed. I can't let him manage Derby. Maybe, maybe he could apply for an assistant coach or something like that. But like, no way, you're off the air, Harry, sort of thing. He said, look, sit down with him, have a meeting. And he's like, all right, all right. And he went to Frank, look, do you want to talk to Mel Morris about Derby? Maybe, like, talk about the job. And Frank was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's have a crack. 
the next day, Harry Redknapp gets a phone call from Mel Morris saying he's absolutely blown me away. I've given him the job like straight away. And then I remember I watched his first press conference as Derby manager. He super impressed me. I love Frank Lampard. And Mel was like literally sitting next to him going, he's good, isn't he? Like, look at this guy sort of thing. <laughs> and you can imagine he did the exact same thing with Chelsea. Marina Granovsky, she's probably tough you know, to crack, even though she's got a relationship with Frank. He came in, he probably talked him into such a frenzy they can't refuse, did the same with Roman. And this probably applies to players because, like Nick just said, uh, you know, these young, the 20-year-old, that sort of generation of um, midfielders, they will know all about Frank Lampard. Do you know what I mean? And if they'll see what he's doing and they'll hear him talk. And when they've talked to him, they'll be like, he's he's wooed me. Do you know what I mean? So, um uh, pretty much to answer your question, Dan, I think he has the power to do that with loads of players. I think provided their heart isn't already set on something or a deal's done, you can back our manager to absolutely give Chelsea a fair crack of the whip at getting the player. Better than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who spoke to Erling Haaland, his countryman, couldn't convince him. He spoke to Timo Werner prior, or probably offered him rid- ridiculous amounts of money to come to United, couldn't convince him. Frank Lampard comes in, does the business. What do you think, Nick? <laughs> I mean, it's so there are a couple of layers to this, right? The first layer is that uh, both Frank Lampard and Petr Cech are insanely intelligent, eloquent people. Um, I would imagine, although I've never spoken to either one of them personally, that when they speak, it's you know you better listen. Um, you know, they, they carry a certain amount of gravitas. Uh, and then, you know, on top of that, I also don't get the sense from either one of them that they're full of shit. Um, whereas if Solshire is the one talking to you about the planet United when every other week he's going to get fired, I feel like it's a hard sell, honestly, man. Like it's just a harder sell. Yeah. Plus he looks like Smeagol. <laughs> well, I didn't know we were going to get into the beauty pageant uh, Sorry, version of this. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but I mean, it, it does, it, it is interesting. Right. And so I, I from what I've read, you know, Chelsea are certainly in for Hobbards, right? But, you know, Bayern Munich are, are massively lurking in the shadows because they always do this kind of deal. And he's like a, you know, I think the most, in, you know, probably accurate comparison that I've seen for Havertz is a young Thomas Muller, right? Which, yeah. uh, you know, if you look at the, where he plays on the field, you look at his style and, and all that kind of stuff, he's taller than you think he is. He's about 6'2". Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his... His slight frame, uh, his Yannick style frame is, is you know, look at those guns, baby. Um, yeah. You know, he's, he, he is bigger than you think. So it, it's a, it's an interesting one, man. Like if Chelsea are able to convince two German international style players in one window to come, it, like it's a, it's a warning shot for everybody else in world football. You know, and especially because the economy at this point for leagues like Spain and Germany and France and you know, a bunch of leagues where there is talent, but it's consolidated in one or two teams. It's going to be really, really interesting to see kind of how the Premier League can reassert itself in this in this moment. Chelsea specifically, Dan. All right. So let's wrap it and kind of get a little bit of a quick gut judgment here. So we'll kind of go around the horn. First question, do we sign Havertz? And if we do, what ends up being maybe the rumored, because we're never going to know the actual 100% fee that they're going to agree to because neither of these 
clubs are on any type of public exchange, so they have nobody to report any of their financials to. So I'll go to Nick first because he ends the guests, and I want to be polite. Nick, do we sign Havertz? And if so, what do you think the rumored fee would end up being? I So I, I know that Byron were interested in Werner, and they, they have to be on him as well. I would assume that they are, they're also very much into Havertz. So I'm just like gut judgment says no, um, that, you know, that Byron get him, uh, you know, which would obviously make sense for them and make them insanely lethal, uh, even more than they already are. Oh, um, frightening. But I, I'm looking at the fee and, and I think Chelsea would have, if Chelsea can get the fee somewhere in the 70 million pound range, there's something there. If not, you know, I, I don't see Chelsea in this window, 90, 100, 120 million pounds for a player. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of echo Nick's sentiments there. I, I, I don't think so. I feel like uh, if he, if we really, everyone was talking about Chelsea, Chelsea really needed an attacking midfielder. If they just had that attacking person to play in the hole, they'd really be the next level. Then yeah, I'd feel it. But I've got that gut feeling as well that I think Frank Lampard's interested. I think maybe the, he, behind the scenes he could have even had a conversation with the player and the player might like Chelsea. That's where the noise might be coming from. But I don't think that means it's going to happen. If it did, I sort of, I believe it would be a club record. Uh, like Nick, uh, maybe just over Kepper, I reckon it would probably be like 75, maybe 80. And Chelsea would find a really healthy structured way they'd probably pay like 40 million up front or 50 and then it would be in installments and then maybe bonuses because Chelsea often do that uh smart way of abiding to financial fair play um but that's if it happens and my gut feeling is sadly no oh sorry guys all right somber somber um I'll, I'll be a little contrarian here because I think we're not going to have the best defense in the league next season sorry like it's just not like our, our, the Lampard style is not amazing defense. Uh, we're, we'll still concede goals next season with Kepa in goal. So it means we're going to need to score a lot. So what's the best thing to do in that scenario? Just add more goals. Like, just let's just, just like top goals upon goals upon goals upon goals. Score 70, 80 goals in the season. Concede 75, but still win the league. Bring in Kai Havertz, get it done. This yeah. is the, this is in the Fast and the Furious movies. Dan is always the guy to put like five Nos tanks just to just to really ratchet up that speed, and his sure. car usually explodes. Like that's yeah, the one. Yeah. I got well, it. Nick, it's it's also all about family. It's all, all about, about family. <laughs> <laughs> and bringing into the family will be one Kai Havertz. I think uh, somewhere like in it. the eighty-five good. range. Here's here's the other thing. He is out, you know, he will have be on the last year of his contract heading into the start of the next season. Mm, so when you think about this, this will be the last opportunity, similar to Jaden Sancho, if he doesn't sign an extension, where they have a maximum opportunity to demand as high value as possible. So mm. if they want to lose their negotiating position and what could be an even worse financial situation a year from now, Leverkusen are not a super rich club. And this is the kind of the one player that they could set themselves up for the future for a pretty sustained period. So I think things yeah. there's a confluence of really good events that end up favoring Chelsea's way. And I think I think there's a higher likelihood than not that he'll end up in Chelsea blue. And uh, yeah, but we want to hear what you think. 
We want to wrap this one up. We'll be back later in the week with a little bit more conversation about who should be coming to Chelsea. Talking about left backs. But thank you, Yan, for coming in for this first one. We'll have you back in the second. Nick, as always, amazing. And uh, since Brandon is in here, I guess I'll say it. Until next time, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high. 